Hertz has got it, wants to throw. Hertz setting up the screen. It is complete and blown up. Miles Sanders caught it. Malcolm Rodriguez was there waiting for him. That's a big play by Rodrigo. Welcome to the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. I know you guys like that new little lead in we had going there. Amani got retired. Rodrigo jumps in. And I might have a little surprise player for you guys today. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say who it is, but you guys will be... You guys will be entertained for sure. Um, I've got John Keim from ESPN who, who covers the Washington Commanders. He's going to preview. So i got a busy show for you guys today. But let's start, as we always do, with news and notes. And you can't go much farther than the injury report when you're talking about the Detroit Lions this week. And, you know, obviously some key injuries. DeAndre Swift, the team signs Justin Jackson from the practice watch to the active roster. I think that's more of a, a kick return, um, you know, promotion than it is a running back promotion. But obviously, you know, if, if that ankle that DeAndre Swift is dealing with um, prevents him from playing, you need an extra body there. And um, Justin would provide that. To me, a little bit more concerning is what's going on with the offensive line. You know, we talk about that being a huge strength of this football team coming into the season. And, you know, the right guard, Big V, goes down. Um, he's on IR, had back surgery this week. Now, they haven't ruled out him returning this week, but obviously I think it's going to be extended beyond the four games um, that, that you have to be off when you go to IR. I think it's going to be a little bit longer than that. But the hope is, you know, maybe at some point, you know, Big V um, – can come in. Logan Stenberg made his start in place of Big V. Had some ups and downs like you would expect from any guy um, making his first career start, but uh, you know I think the third-year player out of Kentucky is going to get better this week, going to continue to get better the more reps he, see, he sees, so I'm not too worried about that. Frank Ragnow, um, you know, dealt with that groin injury last week you know, played in the game, and now he's shown up with a foot injury and a groin injury, did not practice Wednesday, did not practice Thursday. Like we talked about last week, you know, he's not a guy that has to practice to play. Um, so we'll kind of just see where that goes. Dan Campbell did say on when, on Monday, I believe it was, that he was pretty sore still. So um, we'll kind of just see, you know, how that develops. And, and obviously now concerning, too, is Jonah Jackson, Pro Bowl left guard from last year. Showed up on the injury report yesterday with a finger. Uh, typically when a guy shows up as limited on a practice report, um, you know, that's something they probably did in practice. I mean, we'll talk to Dan Campbell tomorrow and, and see if that was the case, but he did not practice on Thursday. So that, to me, is a little bit concerning, especially when you talk about a finger. Um, you know, Usually when a finger keeps an offensive lineman out of practice, there's there could be something a little bit more to that than just jamming a finger and tying two together and, and going out there. We saw that with Taylor Decker last year. That ended up being you know, obviously a, a more concerning injury. So uh, you don't have any details on Jonah Jackson yet. Dan Campbell did not speak to the media Thursday. He, he's scheduled to do that Friday. So we hope for an update there. Um, but again, we'll have to keep an eye on, you know, no big via at right guard. No Frank Ragnow at center. Um, no Jonah Jackson at left guard at practice. Now, the great good news was Taylor Decker was back at left tackle. So you got your bookend tackles with Taylor Decker. Looks like he's going to be okay dealing with that calf injury. And and obviously, Penny Sewell. Um, that's the good news. Um, we'll just kind of have to see how the week develops, you know, inside. You know, they, they went in and signed... I'm going to try to do this name correctly, and I'm sorry ahead of time if I mutilate, but Coyote Osika um, from uh, Philly. So um, we'll kind of just see – you know where that goes, and if, if, if he's needed, um, the Lions do have some options. Obviously, they got Evan Brown. You know, Dan Skipper can push inside. We, Logan Stenberg got his first start. We talked about him, so uh, they've got some options. But obviously, not ideal when we're talking about um, you know facing a, a Washington Commanders team where their strength is their in interior of their defense, and, and now you're dealing with you know two extra injuries on top of the big V injury inside. Um, a little bit concerning, you know, and we'll kind of have to see where where Swift is at. Um, I know there were some reports yesterday, you know, some of the guys ran into him in the locker room. Um, he said he was okay, but, you know, I, I've got to wait to see him back at practice and, and, and see him cutting and running before, um, you know, 
we'll we'll take a deep breath on that one. So look, the lines are banged up, and you hate to see that heading into week two, um, especially when you're you're talking about guys that are expected to be you know the strength of this football team, the offensive line, right, the run game. DeAndre Swift is a running back, especially coming off the week that he had last week. So we'll just kind of have to see where it goes. Be sure to you know check in Friday as as the injury report with the game designations. That'll be huge. But I think that's the big storyline this week for Detroit is just dealing with injuries and who's up and who's not Sunday against Washington as Lions try to get to 500 and and avoid an 0-2 start um, you don't want to be dealing with that kind of stuff this early but hey that, that that's the name of the game um, you know I, I think when you move on and, and you look at the defensive side of the ball Obviously, there are some big question marks on that side of the ball after what Philadelphia was able to do to them last week. They rushed for 216 yards, averaged over five yards per carry, uh, four touchdowns. I mean, that's an area that, that they need to clean up. And look, we talked to Aaron Glenn on Thursday, and the comment he made about watching the tape was, I was disappointed, but I was also encouraged. And you know, I, I think the disappointing part is obvious. The encouraged part for him is the fact that he thinks a lot of the stuff that went wrong for Detroit defensively is correctable. You know, stuff like, you know, guys being a little bit too amped up, not being assignment sound, you know, going rogue a little bit, seeing an opportunity to make a play and, and, and you know, maybe not, you know, handling their assignment in the zone or not protecting their gap and so um, you know stuff you hate to see week one but a little bit understandable especially when we're talking about the young guys you know when Aiden Hutchinson a rookie you know Aiden's the type of guy I mean he's just so used to going and making plays right and you know you see that opportunity we saw a couple times in the backfield with with a chance to get Jalen Hurts and um, you know you you like a guy to attack and want to make plays but at the same time you've got to be assignment sound you can't hang the guy out to dry next to you. And so I think Aaron will clean some of that up. I think the fact that it'll be week two, guys have now played. Um, I don't think they'll be as amped up, as excited, as jittery as you are week one. So I, ex- I expect the whole operation to be a little bit smoother um, defensively for the Lions. But it's also a different beast that they're dealing with this week too. I mean, this is a Washington Commanders team um, that can throw the football. Carson Wentz threw four touchdown passes last week. They had four receptions of 25-plus yards last week. That leads the league um they've got a nice trio of wide receivers and curtis samuels and terry mclaurin and um Jahani dotson um and you know gibson's a big part of that pass game they're running back he had seven catches last week logan thomas is an ascending tight end you know so um they've got some weapons and i think it's going to be the pass game that's going to be kind of you know more what detroit has to worry about obviously job number one is stopping the run but i think um when it comes to washington i think they offer a little bit more in terms of how they can attack teams in the passing game so well you know we'll have to see um if the lions are are up to task you know i think this is going to be a big week for aiden hutchinson charles harris aline mcneil um, austin bryant can those guys get more pressure and finish you know i i don't think pressure was really the biggest issue last week it was just finishing and, and look, Jalen Hurts is a terrific quarterback in terms of his athletic ability and be able to get out of the pocket and use his legs and avoid the rush. We saw him do that a number of times. Um, Carson Wentz isn't that guy. You know, he's more of the, the drop back statue passer. Um, and so I think there's going to be some opportunities for those guys to get more um you know, more rush opportunities, get more chances to get sacks, and, and, and I would expect that to be a lot better. But a little different challenge for this defense uh, this week. And then when you look at, you know, offensively, the Lions run game, obviously you loved what, what Swift and that run game was able to do um, last week. Swift with 144 yards, and they had 181 yards, and that was a good Philadelphia, you know, defense that they did that against. And so you love that aspect of it. I think, you know, some of the operation with the passing game has to be a little bit cleaner. Um, I think there were some misreads. I think there were some kind of off-target throws. Obviously, there were more drops um, than than what you know we were used to here. The Lions ranked in the top five in the league in the the fewest amount of drops last year. Um, and to, to see Amon Ra, you know, drop a couple balls, and you know, a guy I think had one drop all last year. A little uncharacteristic for those guys, and I would expect that um, to be cleaned up. I know, you know, offensive coordinator Ben Johnson said that that was a a, a point of emphasis um, this week, just cleaning up the entire pass game operation because – 
if Swift is, you know, dealing with an ankle, if you're missing, you know, two or three offensive linemen, um, that passing game is going to have to be counted on. And I, I think they got to be much crisper. And, and, you know, Ben Johnson said that's a point of emphasis. So you, you hope that's the case. And, you know, I think Jacksonville had a lot of success throwing the ball against Washington last week. So you, you think if you're Detroit, you, you know, that can be an asset. You can target that a little bit. But the operation has to be smoother overall. Um, you know, a couple other things to keep an eye on. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, eight catches last week. That extended his streak to seven straight games with eight-plus catches. Can he make it eight? Um, you know, that that young man has become kind of a security blanket for, for Jared Goff, and, and I really like how that relationship is, is built. Jared really looks for him. He's He can get open. He's tough in blocking in the run game. He, he's just a really good player. Can that streak continue? And then you know, two other quick things to, to look for offensively um, for Detroit this week is is third down and red zone. Detroit was 31st in the NFL last year in third down percentage, 34.7%, and red zone percentage, 47.8%, second to last in the league. I thought that part of the operation last week was really, really good. Detroit 9 of 14, which is 64.3%. And then they were perfect four for four in the red zone. And so, um, you know, when, you, when you're talking about offensive football and, and the difference between winning and losing, I think turnovers are obviously number one. But to me, like second and third right there are how are you on third down? Can you stay on the field offensively? And can you get off the field defensively? And then do you take advantage of opportunities in the red zone? You know, do you have to settle for field goals or can you score? Those were two areas the Lions really struggled, um, you know, last week or last year, excuse me, um, were really, really good last week. Um, and can they continue that moving forward? You know, Jared Goff, the first thing he said this week when asked about what you liked, he, he said our third down and our red zone. Um, can they keep that part of it hot um, and, and, and kind of keep that thing rolling offensively, scored 35 points against the Eagles? I don't think this is a, as talented a defense overall um, for Washington as it was last week. So um, you expect them to kind of keep them keep that rolling. Can they do it on third down and uh, in the red zone? So, you know, those are some of the news and notes this week. Obviously, the injury stuff is, is the big news. So, you know, follow us, you know, Friday um, for sure. Get those game designations and Sunday 90 minutes before football we'll have all the inactives on DetroitLions.com so you know stay with us for all that stuff and and look stay with us here uh, we got uh, John Kime from ESPN coming up next he's going to give us a preview of the Washington Commanders he had a lot of good stuff there so stay with us Welcome back to the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast. I am joined now by John Kime from ESPN. He does a great job cover, covering the commanders in Washington. And, and John, got to have a pretty good feeling there in Washington after a week one win over Jacksonville, right? Oh, yeah. And as you know, like you cover a fan base that is desperate for a win or two, and, and I do as well. And I grew up in the Cleveland area. I, I have relatives in Detroit and Novi. Grew up in, they grew up in Livonia. I'm well aware of the Lions history and the frustration with the fans. So when you have a fan base like that and they get off to an opening win, it's always a good feeling for them. But I also think it's because of the way they did it. And it was the offense they showed. That's what I think people really latched on to. If, if Washington had won, let's say 17, 14, kind of an ugly game, then I don't think you get the same. I don't think you get the same level of um, excitement that you got from this one because of the, you know, they have a multitude of offensive weapons. That's what people latched on to big time. I think that's the fan base, but I also think that's the team itself. I think a lot of players, especially on the defensive side, are like, hey, this is going to be a hard offense to cover. So they just have to do their job and give the offense a chance to score. But I think it gave them a big boost of confidence that what they thought could happen did. Now, again, it's week one. It was Jacksonville. Jacksonville is not exactly coming off a Super Bowl run here. So you take that into consideration that how much of it was Jacksonville versus how much of it was, hey, this is a, this is a new era for this offense. This team still has a lot of questions, and as, as every team does, but especially this one. We really don't know yet what it means, but I do think what people can see is they have better skill talent than they've had in, in, in a while. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing Dan Campbell talked about here. You know, it's always been Terry McLaurin, and that was kind of the guy you had to worry about. But now you got Johnny Dotson, you've got Curtis Samuel back, and and you know he's contributing. It looks like you can really spread the ball around. Logan Thomas, I'd include in there too, and right. it, it really looks like Carson Wentz can spread the ball around and, and and really create some mismatches there for defenses. Absolutely, and what they also do, like there were a couple plays last week where they'd run Curtis Samuel on a jet sweep action to the right. They'd fake a handoff on the same play to Antonio Gibson going to the right. The defense crashes hard to that side, as you would expect, because you have to honor Samuel and you have to honor Gibson. The result threw it back to a screen to the tight end. Nobody was within 20 yards. He gets like 23 yards on the carry. So on the run. So they, they are able to do things like that. You saw in key situations because of what they did with Curtis Samuel early you saw it open up other plays for others later in the game. So I think you, they, they have something that they haven't had in a while. And Wentz did a, Wentz was pretty solid. You know, I know he's under the microscope quite heavily and quite often, but he did a solid job. And what people don't realize is how bad the quarterback play here has been, that he is considered a definite upgrade and people can scoff at that all they want. But we've seen a parade of really bad quarterbacks here over the last four years. Kirk Cousins was the best quarterback they've had in the last seven years or so. So this is he represents an upgrade, but he has but he has. And I think but what he really has is the ability to use multiple weapons. And I think that's a big change for them and for him. And so but you're right, like they can fool you with a lot of different actions and you saw it Sunday. They got into a lull. They turned the ball over. That's a problem. But the, when, they, when they're moving, it's because they have a diverse set of skilled weapons. Well, we know all about the quarterback position being under a microscope here with Jared Goff. So um, when is Jahan Dotson the real deal? I mean, you yes. saw a couple touchdown passes for him week one. Not a whole lot of catches, but the touchdowns are what's important, right, John? And is he the real deal there? Yes, he is. From the t- and. I don't usually like they've had it's I've covered plenty of first round picks here who you'd say like, why? Like, why was this guy first round pick? And you start searching for something that they saw, not just this group, but going back, you know, years with this team that you'd say like, well, why did they pick this guy here? Like they'd have some receivers who just, they weren't as good. This kid is really good. And you could, from the time he got here in OTAs through training camp, nothing has looked off for him so I do think he's a real deal in fact I was talking to someone yesterday who knows football who played the game who watches film does this and he's and he even asked me goes who do you think defenses are probably most afraid of on that offense and I and I'm like well I know what he's going to say and it was Jahan Dodson because he is a mature route runner and he has quickness and speed and Terry McLaurin is an excellent receiver Curtis Samuel is a dangerous guy underneath different style of receiver but Jahan Dotson could be a guy. Now, the only question with him is his size. He is a small guy. You see how the Lions corners like to try and beat up the receivers off the line. He's very physical, kind of like that. Um, but he is quick, and he is a really good route runner. So, yes, I do think he's a real deal. The question will be how they can spread the ball around. And, you know, because, you know, will he get as many targets because you do have a lot of other options. But I, but I do think he's legit. On the two touchdowns he had, the first one, Freezes the corner with a nice little route. You stem to the outside, cuts back inside, creates separation. The second touchdown, he, he runs an out and up, corner bites, gets up there. Ball is slightly underthrown. The defender is kind of in his face and obstructing him, but he makes this. He, make, he adjusts to the ball, makes a lunging, diving grab. And, you know, so he does those kind of things. So, yes, I think he's the real deal. You know, switching to the other side of the ball, that defensive line, is that still the strength of this this defense? I know the Lions have talked a lot about that, how they've got to be really strong up front against Allen Sweat and the rest of those guys up front. Yes, it is a strength. Now, I think this defense is fairly ordinary. Um, so the back, I don't think this back, the back seven in coverage was not very good. And I think that's going to be something to watch, especially against DeAndre Swift. You get him in the open field. I think it's going to be, you know, you've got to be able to get somebody couple of people around him because he makes guys miss and but that said so my point is it's not like there's this great great talent behind them but yes it's a very good defensive line and I thought one of the things they did better the other day was one issue that they had last year was 
they would have like you'd watch the games say oh well so and so and so and so and so and so each looked like they did a had a pretty good game but it was all individual it wasn't coordinated it wasn't together and i saw what i saw more of on sunday was a better job playing together so on the stunts more coordinated more willing to give yourself up reading off one guy you see there was one sack that Deron Payne had that was basically it looks like a stunt but it was really unplanned so Payne goes inside Allen reads it and circles around the other way but it more so and Allen doesn't make the play but he closes a gap for the quarterback and Payne gets the sack so they are dangerous and I think that's where you have to watch is with them in the middle against that Lions interior I think that's the big matchup there no, I think that's a good point by you, because we always talk about how together the offensive line has to be, right? And it's, you know, five guys playing at one. But I think the same thing applies for defense, especially when you're playing some of those games and some of those stunts. And I think really good defensive lines are those lines that play together and play off each other. So I think that's a great point by you, something the Lions definitely have to look out for. And look, that interior of their old line, Frank Ragnall is dealing with a groin injury. They're obviously missing Big V at, at right guard. So that'll be an area I think that, that's yep. a key matchup. Is there anything else? What's what's be you looking at as, as a key matchup heading into this week for you guys? I think how the linebackers play against DeAndre Swift has to be a, a big key because you watch what the Eagles did. And I really liked how the Lions did a nice job of getting him in space. And there were a lot of times, like, I haven't gone back and added this up, but to see how many yards he got before contact. I mean, it led the son, NFL. <laughs> oh, it was, it was like, he had some of them. I, I'm hearing how explosive, and he is explosive. But they created those gaps for him. I mean, it was a really good job. And it was, it's fun to watch because, like, you just see him, like, you try, why is he able to get, why are they, what are they able to do here? And they did a really nice job getting guys up the field. But I also felt like they got the Eagles linebackers to kind of just read or hesitate too much. And I think so. I think a big key here is for Washington's linebackers to attack the line a little bit more and force him to cut right back, get the double teams off, force them to cut right back into help right away and, and do that. And then I think in the past game, something to watch will be, do they stick? Like they had their, um, you talk about first round picks. Jamin Davis last year was the 19th overall pick as a linebacker. He got put in some tough situations in coverage last week against the Jaguars, against Christian Kirk, a slot receiver. It's a mismatch. They didn't have Cam Curl, the safety. So, and Curl is really good. So what they can do this week is insert, if Curl is able to play, he's got a hand injury or a thumb injury. If he's able to play, you can put him in those coverages and take out the linebacker and create a better situation for the defense. But I do think it starts with the linebackers. Be aggressive, getting to the ball, and don't let Swift get to that second level. And Which the line box? and the yeah. No, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just what what is Ron Rivera and, and those players talking about this week as kind of keys for them or what they expect from Detroit or what they're anticipating? Well, you know, I, I think again, Swift, it's it's stopping him. And and I know I think they, you know, you can't let him run wild. And so I think. What I just said is probably a lot of what they would just say. I mean, we've talked a little bit about the matchup today on Thursday is the day where we get into it even more. And, you know, we get the, we talked to the coordinators today, talked to more players. And I think, you know, I think beating for the receivers, it's going to be beating that press man. They, they did not see that much last week. The Lions played a lot. So beating the press man will be a big deal for them. And, um, I, you know, the Lions will send some pressure. Do you handle that? They did a good job with that last week. And I, but again, I think a lot of it offensively comes back to stopping Swift. Well, John, great stuff. Obviously a huge game for Detroit to guy to try to get to 500. I know Washington's tried to go to two and zero for the first time in a while and kind of keep that momentum going from week one. So it's a big week for each team. It should be a fun offensive type matchup. I think Detroit scored, you know, 35 on, on Philly. That's a pretty good defense over there. Obviously Wentz and that passing game was terrific. So it should be fun. Make sure you stop by and say hello and safe travels to Detroit, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me on. Enjoyed it, man. All right. Thanks, John. Welcome back to the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast, and I am joined by a special guest, rookie linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez. Welcome to the pod. Yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Now, what happened here? I mean, so, are you getting into fights? Yeah, uh, you know, I went, 
I guess I went out with the guys, and, the, you know, they got me into – nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> it was one of those things where, you know, I kind of inflicted it on myself with my helmet and my visor. So I hit someone, and, uh, you know, visor hit back. So the Visor hit back. Yeah. What we were talking about on the way up here, too, you've always played with that visor, right? You just Always you just play with like the that. visor. and just Keep fingers not, out of eyes, all, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, fingers just, out of eyes from Lyme, and all, all of a sudden now it's kind of trying to retaliate on me. So I kind of got to take the visor back off and just go without a visor now. It's going to be non-visor this week? Yeah, non-visor this week. Yeah. A little getting used to it, huh? Yeah, a little get, little get used to then, you know. All right, so I want to talk about Sunday, you know. And, and you know, obviously you've had a terrific uh, offseason, a terrific training camp, earned your way up to a, a you know, starting spot and a key role on this defense. What was that like Sunday, just getting ready in that tunnel and listening to that crowd, and that was a sellout, first NFL game. Just yeah. what was that experience like for you? A little bit everywhere, you know. Nerves are through the roof. Uh, crowd, like you said, the crowd was electric, and, you know, it was loud. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, it's, I'm here now. So it's like first NFL game, and, you know, ever since I was growing up, you know, being in that stadium, being in an NFL stadium, I mean, it was a dream come true. So just to be able to, uh, you know, play my first NFL game was awesome. You know, had a great time. Uh, wish we would have won. You know, there's some things we missed out on. So it's one of those things where you just got to keep improving each week. But, you know, your performance too, you know, six tackles, a tackle for loss, and, and probably the most, the, the biggest thing, what Dan Campbell said this week is no MAs, no missed assignments, right? And, and mm-hmm. for a rookie guy in his first start, when you went back and looked at it on Monday, what did you think of the performance? No, there's definitely some plays that, you know, I wish I would have got back. You know, Coach Campbell said that. Some plays I could have got in a little bit more on. And just one of those things where, you know, I take my work serious, you know. Uh, no MAs, you know, it's it's a big thing for me. But also, you know, I always look to critique myself and uh, try to improve each week. And then I have to ask, because I'd be remiss if I didn't do the pregame outfit, what were those boots? Uh-huh. So those boots were uh, Python boots. I okay. got them at, Are you uh, plugging somebody here? Python boots right here. <laughs> so, uh, no, I'm a big – I like some boots. I actually got some crocodile ones the other day. So we might have to bring those out. But so your yeah. pregame outfit game is going to be pretty strong. Yeah, this year. so I like a little, you know, a little cowboy fit. I like that. I like that. And we saw it's that from, comfortable. It's comfortable too, man. And we saw that from Hard Knocks, obviously. And, and I wanted to ask you about Hard Knocks. Obviously, you became you know one of the stars of of, of that show. I'm just curious. Did you watch it for one? Mm-hmm. And did you kind of fit it in? And what did you think of that whole experience? Uh, it was a good experience, you know. Hard knocks, they were everyone was awesome, you know. I liked the way how they worked. They weren't like always like nagging you in your way, so they were, everyone was so you know friendly on that staff. And yeah, I watched it. I sent it to my family. You know, they sent the link out, and you know, I sent it back to my family so they could watch it because you know they got work in the morning. So I wanted to you know get push it to them early so they can get some sleep. So you know they were just laughing and everything, and they loved how Hard Knocks kind of flew them out to Pittsburgh that one week, and so right. we, uh, we, yeah, Hard Knocks was good to us and my family. All right, getting back to football, what was Aaron Glenn's message to you guys in that defensive meeting room after you guys watched that tape on Monday? He said, we just got to clean up the little stuff. He said, keep being aggressive. We're going to, you know, throw their punch. We're going to throw their punches, you know. It's going to be one that's going to be a dogfight each play. So it's just one of those things where we just do our job, do our, you know, do the little stuff. He said, don't overthink it. He said, just do your job. We'll be fine. Is that encouraging then to look at the tape and, and know that, you know, some of the stuff was self-inflicted? It's one thing, right, if you're getting beat man-to-man mm-hmm. or, or if you're just, you know, someone's, you know, more physical than you are. But that didn't seem like the case on Sunday. It seemed like just, like you like you yeah. said, just some things that you guys can clean up yeah, yourselves. Just, Maybe guys being too aggressive, not assignment sound, things of that nature. Exactly. It's just one of those things where, you know, uh, you just got to, okay, I know it's the first game, you know, first game you want to go out there electric, but at the end of the day, just do your job. I mean, just do teach the technique. Like, do the technique we've, you know, taught you this whole camp, this whole time in camp and all that. So it's just one of those things where we're just going to go back to the basics and uh, just do your job. That's your message, do the job. So obviously, you know, a, a, a different challenge this week with Washington. What jumped out about them when, when you threw the tape on? So they got uh, they got some fast receivers, fast running backs. You know, they're, uh, they're pretty quick on the ends. And O-line, they got a couple good O-line guys, and they like to go lateral with the ball a lot. And so they try to get us uh, linebackers stepping uh, lateral rather than downhill. So it's just one of those things where we got to be aggressive, like we've been taught, and just uh, uh, go downhill and help out our D line. How much more 
important is it this week to be assignment sound with some of the eye candy and some of the pre-snap mm-hmm. stuff they do? It seems like they yeah. really try, especially from the linebacker position, to, to, to move you guys or at least move your eyes, and then they'll just run a simple zone. They'll do a lot of stuff to maybe just do some simple stuff. Is, am I correct in that? Yeah, yeah, and they do a lot of you know, like eye candy, turbo, you know, try to get you know linebackers out of their position. So it's just one of those things where, you know, we got to be sound in you know, those key areas and just, like I said, fitting the run downhill. You know, letting the back end, you know, work on the turbos and everything and linebackers stopping the run. So it's just one of those things, just doing your job at the end of the day. How how much of a benefit is that crowd when it's roaring like that? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's one of those things where the offense can't hear the quarterback, you know, delay a game, you know, false start. So now the crowd's awesome and, you know, they're they're all in tune, they're all into it. And so it just kind of feeds us as players too. And, you know, we uh, kind of live for those moments. And how big is it then to get a, a win for the, that crowd too? You it's, know? it's awesome. And I keep mean, them coming. Exactly. Keep making that a home field. Exactly, you know, right? uh, especially in Detroit, man. I mean, it's big, big uh, sports city here. So it's one of those things you keep winning, you know, the crowd's going to be into it each and every game. Well, it was a great debut. It's been great watching you come here, put your head down, do all the right things, work your way into a, into a starting and, and key role. And I, um, you, you just expect it to just mm-hmm. keep getting better. Yeah, and better. I yeah. mean, how much is that experience a real thing? And, uh, and just the game slowing down, as they say. Yeah, it's one of those things where you know a lot of film study goes into it, and you know Coach Shep and Alex and you know older guys like that. Like, hey man, it's just you know first game, just keep stacking your chips. You know, just keep working, bettering yourself, critiquing yourself. So it's one of those things I come to work every day, and just you know I just try to improve myself each and every day. Is the salsa a staple now? Salsa is a staple. It's, I got a couple other sellies. You got to get somebody with the. With, you got to get into with somebody in the stadium, right? And yeah. Coordinate that. Yeah. The music comes on right when you start to do. I, know, I, I gotta, mean, We've got to work on this. I got to work with the broadcasters or something like that. Get a little salsa dance or something like that. But it's fun, and you, you're bringing some excitement to the defense. It's fun to watch you play. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for coming on the well, podcast. Appreciate, appreciate you. you. Yes, thank thanks. you for having me. Great stuff right there. Now we go into our matchup segment presented by uh, BetMGM. And, you know, it, it's a segment every week we take a look at five matchups that, that I think are key to this week and in, in, to success um, for the Detroit Lions. And, and I'm going to start with with kind of an, a, an interesting one. It's not player to player, but to me it's Carson Wentz versus Aaron Glenn, uh, the defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. And why I think that's key is, you know, Carson's a veteran guy, right? And he's coming off a week last week where he threw four touchdowns, um, um, you know, and, and, and you know, that offense was humming in terms of their pass game. Um, but, you know, Carson has a propensity to throw interceptions. Like a few years ago, it was, you know, 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions for him. He was much better last year with Indy. Um, but again, last week, you know, had a couple interceptions and, and, you know, he'll throw them to you. You know, he's a guy who likes to stand back there, scan the field and, and throw the ball down the field. And, and if you're in a position, um, you know, to, to make those plays, you know, he'll give them to you. And so that's why, you know, I think with Aaron Glenn, can he put his guys in the right matchups in the good positions to, to force turnovers? I think really, interesting statistic for the Detroit Lions through three preseason games and one regular season game they have not forced a turnover yet that's pretty amazing to think about you know especially when you talk about preseason and some of the quarterbacks that you face and getting down the 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 bottom of the roster but no turnovers for this Lions team so you know obviously we talk about turnovers being so key to winning and losing in the NFL can Aaron Glenn um you know put his guys in position to make those plays to generate those turnovers to make those huge game-breaking plays um to me that's that's a huge part of, of this game. And look, Washington was, was pretty good offensively last week, you know, in that win over Jacksonville, you know, especially, you know, throwing the ball. They were seven of 10 on third down last week. They were really efficient. Um, and, but again, you know, one sack, no turnovers for the Detroit Lions. They've got to be better than that defensively. And so I think this is a, a key week for, for Aaron Glenn to kind of pull all the right strings, get his guys in the right spots to make plays uh, and get after Carson Wentz, get him off his spot. I think Detroit will be a little bit better rushing the passer. Jalen Hurts is a whole different kind of beast in terms of rushing him and having to be very disciplined in your rush lanes. Um, Wentz is, isn't quite the athlete. He, he'll stand there. He wants to scan and throw down field. So, you know, get after him and put yourself in a position to, to get those turnovers in game breaking plays. I think that's going to be key for the Lions. 
You know, second for me is is Jonathan Allen uh, versus Jonah Jackson. And now, obviously, you know, Jonah's been dealing with, you know, the injury, um, didn't practice on Thursday. So, you know, we'll see if, if, if he's there. But, you know, I think you can just put Jonathan Allen against whoever's playing, you know, left guard for the Detroit Lions because he is obviously, um, you know, one of their best players. I mean, a career high nine sacks last year, career high 30 quarterback hits, um, you know, had a sack and two tackles for loss and a quarterback hit last week for the Jags. Um, you know, he's kind of the, the engine that really makes that them go up front and it's a talented front. Um, and, and so look, he was third among all defensive tackles and sacks last season. He was first in quarterbacks hit and he was fifth in tackles for loss. He is disruptive. He's been that way his whole career. And so I think that's a really key matchup for Jonah Jackson if it's you know one of the new guys that they just signed if it's Logan Stenberg moving back to to left guard if it's Dan Skipper who they who they throw in there who's played some guard before and they can do that as well whoever it is is going to have their hands full with Jonathan Allen and I would expect the center if it's Frank Ragnow or um or Evan Brown to, to, to kind of look that way and, and, and help out too. But you've got pain on the other side, so it's going to be hard to do. It's certainly going to be a test for Detroit, but I think they've got to have an idea of where um, Jonathan Allen is and have a good plan for him because he can wreck a game. We, he, we've seen that throughout his career last season and last week. Detroit's got to have a good plan for him. Third for me, Aiden Hutchinson and Sam Cosme, um, the, the the right tackle for Washington. Look, Cosme had nine starts. Um, he had only allowed two sacks last year. Um, so, you know, not bad for, for him. And, and you expect Aiden to be much better than he was last week. Um, look, he had three pressures he had a couple chances for a sack and um you know Jalen Hurts was able to escape him I think he was one of those players that that you know Aaron Glenn was talking about got a little too excited wanted to make a play maybe got a little out of his assignment to make a play and he expected him to calm down and 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 be a lot better this week I expect the same thing um look Aiden's just too talented to, to be shut out of the stat sheet the way he was last week um I would expect him to um you know you know be pretty determined to have a bigger impact this week and look the Lions need him to have a bigger impact one sack no turnovers like I mentioned they need to generate more of that pressure uh they need to get Carson Wentz off his spot doesn't always have to revo- result in a sack but Get him off his spot. You know, disrupt the play, disrupt the timing. That's what helps create some of those turnovers um, that that Detroit's been lacking so far. So to me, that's that that's a really big matchup in this one. What's the encore performance for Aiden Hutchinson? Um, you expect it to be good. I, I expect it to be much better than we saw last week. So you know, we'll see who wins that matchup between you know him and Sam. Um, another big one for me is is Terry McLaurin and, and Jeff Okuda. You know, I thought Jeff played you know really good last week. Had 10 tackles, defended a pass. I thought he was really tough in the run game as well. That's one guy who's never been afraid to come up and, and look, stick his uh, stick his helmet into into a runner and 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 play strong against the run game. I thought he was really good um, in, in in that regard. Um, but you look at Terry McLaurin he's been kind of that guy for um, the Washington Redskins at receiver and for their pass game. I mean, look, he was sixth among all receivers and targets last year, 10th in receiving yards. And I think one of the more underrated stats is he was first in contested catches with 25 so you know that that, to me that's a guy he doesn't have to generate his own space um his own you know to to, to catch the football and make plays um and and Jeff Okuda uh, we obviously know the Achilles injury hadn't played football in a year and I thought for him to play as well as he did um you know without playing football for a year um I thought was really encouraging for the Lions um look Amani Oriwari left practice the open portion of practice on Thursday, um, you know, it, w- with a little bit of a, a, a what looked like a back issue. So, um, you know, we'll see what his status is, and, and that'll make Jeff just even more important if if, if Imani can't go and they have to do with Will Harris and um, or or whatever else is, is is over on the other side there. So, um, I thought Jeff was 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 really really good. That's going to be a key matchup. But again, like I said off the top, you know, Jahani Dotson um, uh, is is on that Washington wide receiver core. Curtis Samuel, who can do a lot of. Th- 
different things. So we'll see what the matchups look like. I, I would guess it's not going to always be McLaurin and Okuda, but either way, it's it, it, it's going to be a, a big game for Jeff, a big responsibility to kind of slow those guys down. Uh, you, you know Washington's going to attack them down the field in the passing game. Can Jeff hold up, and can Jeff have a really good encore performance after a good one uh, last week? And then the last one to, for me is Amon Ra St. Brown. You know, we talked about him before, t- really talented wide receiver um, versus Benjamin St. Justy. Um, uh, they're a uh, slot corner um, for Washington. Um, we talked about Amon Ra St. Brown with seven straight games with um, eight plus catches. Um, St. Ju. St. Justy, three catches last week allowed on five targets. Um, so, you know, to me, St. Brown has become a security blanket of sorts for um, for Jared Goff. You know, that guy that can be trusted in the slot to, to, to get open, um, third and short, third and five, third and six, that kind of guy that's always there in the middle. Um, so to me, that's a, that's a huge matchup. You know, I think Washington's a little bit better outside than they are, um, you know, inside at the cornerback spot um so to me that's a, a a matchup that i think detroit can take advantage of with amon ron st brown just because of his toughness his route running ability um and it just his playmaking ability so you know that's a really big one for me so those are my key matchups and obviously we'll see how it all plays out on sunday and pj clark and i will be breaking it all down post game but don't go away just yet i've got a, another uh surprise little guest here to hear whitehead who's who uh former lion from 2012 to 2017 retired a Detroit Lion uh, last week and he stopped by the podcast we had a good conversation about uh, the Detroit linebacker room retirement um, you know Dan Campbell what it's like to, to play under a player's coach and it was a good conversation so stick around for that Welcome to the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast. I have a special guest this week to hear Whitehead, former Detroit Lion, look, 2012, fifth round draft pick. You're here all the way till 17. You go play in Oakland, um, Carolina. You finish up in, in Arizona. But what was it about wanting to retire a Detroit Lion that was big for you? For me, you know, this is this has been my second home. You know, it's, you know, born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. Got my first opportunity here, you know, was drafted here, spent most of my career here. So it was a no-brainer, you know. I had to finish it the way it started. You know, and you've talked about this being your second home. You know, what is it about Detroit? And we've heard this from other players. You know, Jordan uh, uh, Davis has come back. Jared Davis has come back and, and talked about this being his second home. And you talked about Dan Campbell in your press conference and being a former player here and being so tied to the city. What is it about Detroit? Is it the people? Is it, is it just what is it to hear that that's kind of made this your second home? It's everything. And... You know, it's, it's the people, you know, there's, there's just the community to support. You know, it's, it's one thing to play football and you have the support of the fans just because you're on a football field. But when you're out in the public and they recognize you and they just, they're genuinely happy to just have you in the city or a part of their team, like something, you know, they hold near and dear to their heart. But would they see what we're doing in the community? And that's what I was always pro. And at one point it was, you know, on Wikipedia or something, it was, oh, Whitehead's a good tipper. And then that was all this other stuff that was going around. <laughs> I'm like, where? I'm like, dang, am I, where, where, where'd that come from? But, you know, it was just the support, the love that people always gave to me. And, you know, I always wanted to reciprocate that. So, you know, definitely the city. The football side of it is over for you. I know you've got four boys. What are the ages? Four boys. One uh, oldest is 13, 8, 5, and a 2-year-old. Say a prayer for them, first off. <laughs> all boys, all, the, all guys play football? All boys, uh, yeah, my, my 13 down to my 5-year-old, they play football. But, um, yeah, it's all their first years, and, you know, I'm excited for them. They're excited. You know, I try, I'm, a try, I'm trying not to coach, you know, <laughs> give them too hard. many pointers, but, you know, that's going to be tough. So the football side of it's over. Obviously, the family, you're going to be very involved there, but, but you're wanting to stay involved in the community as well. And I know you've got a couple stuff going at your home in, in, in Newark and here in Detroit. What, what's kind of the plans after football to kind of stay involved and, and, and have that community outreach that I know is so important to you? So for me, you know, it's uh, continuing to be involved with the downtown boxing gym, you know, here in Detroit and, you know, just being a continuous supporter there and making sure that 
I'm more accessible and more available, you know, from a time standpoint, you know. Um, and back at home is pretty much doing the same thing. I have a recreation center there where, you know, my intentions are to, you know, uh, introduce even more financial literacy programs and, you know, just understanding that health and wellness and, you know, like dental hygiene and, you know, it's just bringing back resources and tools, you know, for, you know, the, the citizens, the residents to be successful both here in Detroit and back in North. That's so great because I know that was always a passion of yours when you were here. Yes. That passion, though, started on the football field, you know, and obviously, you know, 2014, I want to talk about that just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that toilet goes down with, with an injury. You get an opportunity to play, and that really kind of spearheads your career. You played really well. You're part of that defense. I think it was 63 rushing yards um, per game on average. I think that's still top six in the NFL, something like that. You guys were really, really good. But how fun was it to be on that defense? And then the second part of it, this Detroit Lions team, right, is a team that's really trying to improve their run defense. And I'm curious from your perspective, what is it, what makes a good run defense? So first, just that that season and what that did for your career, and then just identify what is it about a defense that, that, that makes it a good run defense? Mentality, mindset, grit. You know, it's like we hear that word around here quite a bit. Exactly. You know, and it's as you you think of it, and it's like it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. You know, it's a mindset that you you need to possess on defense to say, look, no one's going to run in my gap, no one's going to run in my hole, and have the respect of all your teammates that look. I am not going to let my teammate down, the guy that where I know worked his butt off all week and learned and made sure that he did his job. So if you get all 11 guys doing their 111, we like to call it, then that makes that call, that's a recipe for, you know, success. You go out there and I think it might have been what 2014, it was might have been like 68 yards. Game. Oh, was it 68? Might have been 68. I gave you guys a little look, bit look, more I credit. This, look, we appreciate it. You know, yeah. We appreciate it. But you know, um but like what I learned during that season was not only did we have great talent, we had guys that were dedicated, guys that were smart and genuinely like enjoy being around each other. And that's the feel that I'm getting here. You know, when I watched them play, you know, on film last year and Dan's first year, they ran to the ball, they were, you know, energetic and you can see it starts from the top down. Yeah. Dan Dan's energetic. You know, he's giving them and they, they they're feeding off one another. You gotta have that. The coaches and the players gotta be like pulling the same direction. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the other thing which calls for a great run defense, right? You have to have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. Each and every game you go in there, you gotta understand how good a team's run um, offense is. And you, that's the way you got to, you know, make them one-sided, pass the ball. Not every team has great quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> it starts at the top, like you mentioned. And, and, and you know, you played under a, a, a player's count type coach in, in, in Jim Caldwell, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that was really respected in that room. And Dan, to me, strikes me as the same type of guy. What does that mean to you? What, what, what does it mean when, when, a, when a, a guy is described as a, a player's coach? And do you see that in Dan as well? Uh, I definitely see it in Dan, um, obviously just in a different light, you know, just Dan's energy and everything is, you know, through the roof. You know, I just bumped into him in the hallway. Dan looked like he said he could still go out there. You and look line like it you up. could still go out there too, but yeah, Dan's yeah. a little older, but he is. <laughs> Bro, he's put he's, together, he's man. He's up a little bit. But, um, no, it's, you know, they, they you want to have, like what it means to be a player's coach is your players are going to go out there and play for you. That like you know they they're gonna make sure that they're doing their job to not disappoint you because now you know like look this coach he's put his time into creating this game plan and you know how invested he is and he showed you that all week so as a player you're like look I need to reciprocate that and I need to go out there and give the same dedication that the coach is giving but then you know the difference only is. I mean, Caldwell, he, he was just even killed. Just always, yeah. never. He always talked about riding that emotional roller coaster. Say, don't, don't get too high, don't get too low. You know, just keep it right there and try to keep it right there in the middle of the road, which is hard as hell playing football. With all I was just gonna the, say that's gotta know, be hard it, it, to do sometimes through the course of sixty minutes, right? I mean, he he was always he, he even did killed. it. You know, <laughs> he, he was, and and he and he allowed his coaches to coach. He allowed the players to play. Make him. He reminded me of a. Uh, 
more of like a you know that grandfather figure just gonna come yeah, yeah. sit on the porch and going gonna put you on game and just drop some gems <laughs> on you you know Dan he's like no look we're gonna go out here and we're gonna yeah. get it done together like, he rides the emotional he, wave I think a little right, bit right right but sometimes it's good you it gotta, is good you gotta embrace it and he embraces it and the players embrace it and they go out there and you know they leave it on the line I know this is going so well so I hate to bring up a, a maybe a, a sore subject a little bit but how much do you look back at 2014 and wonder boy that was a shot right there that was a shot because that was a really good defense that was a really good team and obviously everybody out there knows how it, it ended in Dallas but do you ever right. think back to like boy that was that was a really good opportunity to maybe do something definitely yeah. I think like all, all season when we you know just like game after game we were putting it together on defense but then you know, it's 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 a three phase game, and when you really start to you know break it down, you gotta understand you can only do control what you could control, and you can only do what you could do. And you know, we go back and we kick ourselves in the butt. We still talk about it to this day. I have fans, you know, they uh, send me pitches. Man, you guys were some beasts in 2014. And then, you know, for me, I'm just happy to be uh, to have been a part of that. You know, that defense and uh, the history of it, but. You know, I definitely wish we could go back and, you know, change a few things because it's always a handful of plays in every game that yeah. if you take those back, you win the game. We talked about Dan and and kind of the the culture he's building here, what he wants to build. You think the future's bright here? Definitely. Yeah. I think it's bright. You know, obviously – you know, it starts with Dan and making sure that, you know, he's um, putting, you know, the people in place, which I believe he has. There's a lot of former players on the staff, and I think they have a different insight, you know, and you could tell that they're just letting their guys go out there, they play, and they give them uh, certain tools, but it's like ultimately they're letting them play, letting them learn, and then, you know, you kind of correct it in the meeting room. So. I think the I think the future's bright just you know off the energy you know he, Dan's been around some winning teams you know he's been a part of them so he knows what it looks like and you can see even in his first year last year you know it was rough patches for sure but you can tell that all the way up to the end they went down fighting yeah. and they, and reminded me with of nothing what, to play for with nothing to play but it's always no that's see look that's what we get wrong we think it's nothing to play for but. When you're out there and you have nothing to play for, you're playing for your job, you're playing for next year, you're playing like they're seeing, they're, they're, you're still being evaluated. Yeah. It's like, how are you, are you going to lay it down when things are tough? And that's important, right? And I that, mean, that's why you yeah. see a lot of these guys back. Yes. It's because they were being evaluated. They're, now, they didn't have anything to play for, obviously, in terms of playoffs, wins, right. things like that. Right. But the fact that they fought tooth and nail all the way to week 18, I mean, that says something, right? Can't teach it. Can't teach you can't it. teach it. You either got it or you don't. Yeah. And that's what you realize, you know, across the league. Is some, you know, some guys they want to go out there. They it's all about the fame. It's all about what comes with being associated with the yeah. NFL. Some guys actually love the game. You know, they have a passion for it, and it shows. You know, the way to go out there and carry themselves on the field. And for me, that's how I always wanted yeah. to show people. Like, look, I'm, I I love this game. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna lay it on the line, and you're gonna know. You know, he gave us everything we got. He well, got. I covered you through your first, what, five five years in the league, and I can say you were exactly that player. Core special teams guy, was always hard. When you got your opportunity to play on defense, you made the most of it. What a heck of a career, man. Ten years, it. right? Did you ever think you'd be ten years in? Never. Never? Never, man. I didn't even, honestly, I went. I studied criminal justice at Temple, and I was going to be a state trooper. <laughs> and that's what I thought I was going to yeah. do after I graduated. But, you know, the Lord, he, he had other plans for me. And, you know, uh, you know, 2012, fifth round, 138th overall, you know, the Lions went up. You know, John's traded with, the, I guess, what, the Vikings. Yeah, gave up a fourth-round pick for fourth you that round, year. You know, so that is like <laughs> that, you know, I don't I don't forget that, and that's why I'm so appreciative of that, understanding what went into things on the front end. Yeah. And, you know, got to gotta end it the way it started. Well, it was a great career. It's great to have you back. Congratulations on the retirement. It sounds like you're, you're going to be busy with the boys and, and all the, uh, all the uh, community work. Great job, great career, a really great guy.